Father, we come to your word and we ask that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher and show us Christ, who he is, what he has done, and what he has called us to be and do. Help us to hear from you today. And may we have the grace to respond in obedient faith. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, there are Christians on every continent, in every country of the world. In fact, approximately one billion people claim at least to be followers of Jesus Christ. How did this happen? How did a rabbi, if you will, from human terms, in the little country of Israel, come to be the one worshipped by a billion people in planet Earth? Acts 1.8 is the simple plan that the first followers of Christ put into motion. And within 35 years, this plan had been carried out. The gospel had been spread to the known world of that day. The book of Acts is the fulfillment of the prophecy contained in this verse. And the work that was begun there, as recorded in the book of Acts, continues to this day. I praise the Lord that Wake Chapel Christian Church is a missions-minded church, a mission-supporting church, a missionary-sending church. And during the month of March, it is our missions month. I've been waiting for this month because nothing excites me more than the vision that Christ has for us as his followers to reach out with the gospel. I was reading of a pastor who was dressed in comfortable old blue jeans who boarded a plane to return home from his trip. He settled into the last unoccupied seat next to a well-dressed businessman with a Wall Street Journal tucked under his arm. The minister, a little embarrassed over his casual attire, decided he'd look straight ahead and, and for sure stay out of any in-depth conversation. But his plan didn't work. The man greeted him, so to be polite, the pastor asked about the man's work. Here's what happened. You look my age, I said. Have you been at this long? He said, well, I just graduated from the University of Michigan School of Business Administration, and this new company has given me so much responsibility already, I feel very honored. I, I hope to eventually manage the western part of the operation. So you're a national organization, I asked, becoming impressed despite myself. Oh, yes, we're the fastest growing company of our kind in the nation. It's really great to be part of an organization like that, don't you think? I nodded approvingly and thought, impressive. Proud of his work and accomplishments? Why can't Christians be proud like that? Why are we so often apologetic about our faith and our church? 
Looking at my clothing, he asked the inevitable question, what do you do? That's interesting because we have, that we have similar business interests. I said, you're in the body changing business. I'm in the personality changing business. We apply basic theocratic principles to accomplish indigenous personality modification. <laughs> he was hooked. But I knew he'd never admit it. You know, I've heard about that, he replied hesitantly. But do you have an office here in the city? Yes, we have many offices. We have offices up and down the state. In fact, we're national. We have at least one office in every state of the Union, including Alaska and Hawaii. He had this puzzled look on his face. He was searching his mind to identify this huge company. He must have read or heard about, perhaps in the Wall Street Journal. As a matter of fact, we've gone international, and management has a plan to put at least one office in every country of the world by the end of this business era. I paused. Do you have that in your business, I asked. Well, no, not yet, he answered, but you mentioned management. How do they make it work? Well, it's a family business. There's a father and a son, and they run everything. (laughs) Must take a lot of capital, he asked skeptically. You mean money? I asked, yeah, I suppose so. No one knows just how much it takes, but we never worry about it because there's never a shortage. The boss always seems to have enough. He's a very creative guy. And the money is, well, just there. In fact, those of us in the organization have a saying about our boss. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. <laughs> oh, he's into ranching, too, my captive friend said. But no, I'm just, it's just a saying we use to indicate his wealth. My friend sat back in a seat, musing over our conversation. What about you, he asked. Oh, the employees? There's something to see. They have a spirit that pervades the organization works like this. The father and son love each other so much that their love filters down into the organization. So we all find ourselves loving one another too. I know this sounds old-fashioned in a world like ours, but I know people in the organization who are willing to die for me. Do you have that in your business? I was almost shouting now. People were starting to shift noticeably in their seats on the airplane. Not yet, he said. Quickly changing strategies, he asked, but do you have good benefits? (laughs) They're substantial, I countered with a gleam. I have complete life insurance, fire insurance, all the basics. Uh, You might not believe this, but it's true. I have holdings in a mansion that is being built for me right now for my retirement. Do you have that in your business? Not yet, he answered wistfully. The light was dawning. You know, one thing bothers me about all you're saying. I've read the journals, and if your business is all you say it is, why haven't I heard about it before now? That's a good question, I said. After all, we have a 2,000-year-old tradition. Wait a minute, he said. You're right, I interrupted. I'm talking about the church. I knew it. You know, I'm Jewish. Want to sign up, I asked. Yeah. Airplane conversations, I've had some of those. It is a captive audience and uh, wonderful opportunities on airplanes. But look with me at Acts 1.8. Just seconds before he ascended to heaven and left his disciples to carry on the work he had begun, he said these words. It is not a command. It is a prophecy. It is a prediction. 
Now, the Great Commission is a command. Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing disciples, teaching disciples. But this is a prophecy, a prediction. Acts 1.8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Three things I want us to see, and on your bulletin there's a little outline. Outlines are really helpful because when the pastor gets to the last point, you think maybe he's going to be done soon. So it helps you. But just to think about it, and I love this outline because there's three Ps, you know? The power of the gospel, the person of the gospel, and the program of the gospel. The power, person, and program of the gospel. The power of the gospel is the Holy Spirit. You, you shall receive power. Who's the you? The disciples. And not just the 11, but the 120. Why do we know that that's true? Because in the fulfillment of this on the day of Pentecost, there were 120 people gathered in a prayer meeting. That's a powerful place, prayer meeting. Be careful. You come to a prayer meeting, things happen in your life. I'll tell you. God works through the power of prayer. They were gathered in a prayer meeting in that upper room. And he said, you're going to receive power. Power. How important is power to your life? I had a problem with my iPhone 6. Anybody have a 6? My wife, she's a little advanced. She has a 6S but I have a six. And I noticed something about my iPhone started a couple of months ago. It started not making it through the day, you know. Uh, And it had to be recharged. And then eventually I had to keep it on the charger all the time or it would just suddenly die on me. And then I began reading about it on on the news that uh, iPhone 6s had this new operating system that was making funny things happen with their battery and all. And Apple was going to replace your battery. And after three trips to the Apple store, I've got a new battery. (laughs) It's great. You know what I mean? I charge it up overnight and it lasts all day. Isn't it great when you're phone has power. Wonderful things, these phones. The biggest, most vulnerable technical aspect of these smartphones is their battery. you got to have power. And when you have power, all those wonderful features of this phone work. But when you don't have power, it's just a lump of plastic. And if you are trying to live the Christian life, without the power of the Holy Spirit, you got problems. You heard about the fellow that brought his chainsaw back to the hardware store where he had bought it. He said, it's really hard. I've been cutting wood with it, uh, but I, 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 it just, it's so hard. I, it, I took all day. I couldn't get one log cut with this thing. And guy says, let me take a look at it. He sets it down, puts his foot on it, pulls the rope, and it roars to life. And the guy says, what's that noise? (laughs) Power saws work better when the power is coming through it. So many Christian lives are being lived without the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Now, a lot of times in a nice church like this, people get nervous about the Holy Spirit because they're afraid that he's gonna make them fall down on the floor or bark like a dog or, or witness real crazy or do something nutty or some, some weird thing because they've seen you know, these churches where people are falling down and swinging from the chandeliers and stuff like that or whatever, you know, and they think, I don't want to do that crazy stuff. I want to tell you, the Holy Spirit was given by God to make us holy. It wasn't about falling down and jumping and barking like a dog and acting like a nut. Okay, it's about making us holy, making us like Christ, giving us boldness to do what God called us to do. Turn with me in your Bibles to a key passage about the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5.18. Ephesians 5.18. Ephesians 5.18, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. He says, be filled with the Spirit, not drunk with wine. And then he says, when the Spirit fills you, you will have a song in your heart that will come out of your mouth. You will be grateful for all things and you'll be able to submit to God-given authority. That's what the Holy Spirit does when He fills your life. Wow. It's interesting that He says, don't get drunk, be filled with the Spirit. You know, we live in alcoholic society. People deal with all kinds of things by self-medicating themselves with alcohol. And there's some people that just can't function without alcohol. Amazing. But for us as believers, we have left that drunken life behind. And we now have a sober life, but it was not merely intended to merely be a sober life, but to be a Spirit-filled life. The world's got their spirits, amen? But we've got the spirit. And it's amazing how alcohol affects the way you walk, amen? Alcohol affects the way you talk. Alcohol affects your inhibitions. Alcohol affects your decision-making. It affects all kinds of stuff. It is permeating to your human life. And so is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was given to us to remove the inhibitions and fears and self-consciousness that we have about serving God and doing right. And the Holy Spirit is controlling your life. You will be a bold, tactful, loving witness for Christ. You will stand for what is right. 
and you will have a desire to honor God in all that you do. That's what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. He makes us holy. Don't be afraid of the Holy Spirit. Don't worry. The Holy Spirit didn't come here to make you some wild, fanatic, charismatic. He came here to make you like Jesus, to make you like Christ, and to free you from your human limitations to be all that God wants you to be. The power of the Holy Spirit. Don't try to live the Christian life without the power of the Holy Spirit. And that power comes upon us when we are saved at which time we are baptized into the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit, according to 1 Corinthians 12, 13. And then we are continually filled with the Spirit. I wouldn't dare stand in this pulpit without the filling of the Holy Spirit. It would just be me otherwise. And I'll tell you, just me isn't enough to stand in this pulpit And just you isn't enough to be the witness that God wants you to be in your neighborhood, your family, your place of employment. We need the Lord's power, the power of the Holy Spirit, not merely our human knowledge or wisdom or personality or capability. We need the Holy Spirit's power. And so before I seek to witness or minister, before I go to visit somebody in the hospital, when I am just answering a telephone call, I I quickly pray, Lord, cleanse me by Your blood, fill me with Your Spirit, and use me for Your glory. And then He does. And then He gets the glory. Amen? He gets the glory. Are you filled with the Spirit? To be filled with the Spirit means to be controlled by God. When you got saved, the Holy Spirit came into your life. You were baptized by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ. And now as you yield your body to Him and present your body to Him, then He will fill you and He will use you for His glory. The power of the Gospel is the power of the Holy Spirit. You shall receive dunamis... That dynamic power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You see, in the Old Testament times and in the Gospel times, the Holy Spirit came upon people to do specific tasks. But Jesus said, the Holy Spirit is with you and shall be in you. And Jesus was so excited about the coming of the Holy Spirit. He said, that's why I have to ascend to heaven. That's why I have to go back to my Father. Because if I don't go back, He's not going to send the Holy Spirit. That was a divine program of God. That when Jesus ascended, then the Father would send the Holy Spirit. And He knew then that there wouldn't be just one on the earth that was filled with the Spirit as Jesus was from the time of His baptism when the Holy Spirit descended on Him like a dove and He began His ministry. But now, there would be 120, and then there'd be 3,000, and then there'd be 10,000, and then there'd be a billion. This is the plan of God to fill the earth with Spirit-filled people so that He might fill heaven with people of every nation, tongue, and kindred. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. 
It was prophesied in the Old Testament. Look back with me in Ezekiel if you can find verses in the Bible. Look back in Ezekiel 36.25. Ezekiel in the Old Testament. Chapter 36 and 25. Ezekiel 36, 25. God said to Israel, Then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. That's the blood of Jesus that we have to have cleansing our hearts. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. What new spirit will He put within us? Look at verse 27. I will put My Spirit within you and cause you to walk in My statutes and you will be careful to observe My ordinances. If you're trying to live the Christian life in your own willpower, if you're trying to live the Christian life by your own good upbringing and character, if you're trying to live the Christian life just by your own knowledge and ability, you're going to be like the guy with the chainsaw that doesn't know there's a motor in there. But I'll tell you what, when you have the power of the Holy Spirit and you yield to Him, and you're about to walk into a difficult family situation, you're about to walk into uh, some kind of dilemma, some need, or deal with unsaved people, or whatever the situation is where you've been called to serve God, I'll tell you what, you depend on the Spirit of God, and you ask Him to speak through you. And then what He does, you're amazed by it. And you look back and you say, whew, where'd that come from? How did that happen? That wasn't just me. That wasn't just me. That was you, Lord. You, by your Spirit, worked through me. Jesus was so excited about this. Look at Luke 24, 46. Luke chapter 24 and 46. His post-resurrection appearances to His disciples... He said this, Luke 24, 46, Thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in His name to all the nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending forth the promise of My Father upon you, but you were to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. The Holy Spirit is going to clothe you with power. He said it's coming. He was terribly excited about it. Jesus, even though He was God in His humanity, needed to be baptized by the Spirit and filled with the Spirit before He began His ministry. It was when He was baptized that the Holy Spirit came upon Him and His formal ministry began. You cannot minister without the Holy Spirit. Look at John 14 and verse 16, please. Jesus said, I will ask the Father. He will give you another Helper that He may be with you forever. That is the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see Him or know Him, but you know Him because He abides with you and will be in you. 
Look at 15.26 of John. John 15.26, When the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father. He will testify about Me. Hey, how can you tell when the work of the Holy Spirit is present? Whether it be in an evangelistic situation or in a church service or whatever else, is that the Holy Spirit always exalts Jesus and always lifts up Christ as the answer and His Gospel. Who He is and what He has done. Look at John 16.7, please, just down the page. But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send Him to you. And He, when He comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin because they do not believe in Me. And concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you no longer see Me. And concerning judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. Hey, does the world need to be convicted of sin, righteousness, and judgment? Yes. Who is going to do that? The Holy Spirit through the lives of yielded believers. That is the work that needs to be done. People need to be convicted of their sin before the good news of the Gospel will ever mean anything significant to them. So, do you have the Spirit? That is, are you saved? If you do not have the Spirit of Christ, you are none of His, says Romans. Paul says in Romans. So, do you have the Holy Spirit? Because when you are saved, the Holy Spirit comes in. And you have a whole new life. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. The Holy Spirit gives you a hunger for the Word of God. The Holy Spirit gives you a love for other believers. The Holy Spirit gives you a burden for lost people that you know personally. Do you have the Holy Spirit? You will receive the Holy Spirit when you believe in Jesus. It is one of the 33 benefits you get when you believe in Christ. And then the the second question is, does the Holy Spirit have you? That's the filling of the Spirit. And there are many fillings. One baptism, many fillings. We are baptized once when we believe in Christ. But there are many fillings. And why do we need many fillings? Because we leak. Remember what Jesus said when the woman, the issue of blood touched Him? He said, virtue went out of me. Dunamis, power, went out of me. Power went out of me when she touched me and was healed. And every time we touch people with the power of Christ, every time we share the gospel, every time we counsel people from God's word, every time we extend ourselves in a ministry of prayer, every time we use our spiritual gifts in the service of God, power goes out of us. And just like my phone, power goes out of this phone all day long as I use it. And then I have to plug it in every night. Amen? Why do you think Jesus went off to a mountaintop to pray so often? Because power went out of Him as He touched people with the power of God throughout His preaching and His healing ministry. And then He would go to recharge His life with that communion with the Father that we are invited into in John 17 where we see His communion with the Father as He claims 
God, the Father's promises and trusts in Him and intercedes for others. Then He receives the power and then He goes forth for another day of ministry. That's why your personal devotions are so important. That's your recharging of your spiritual batteries. And then you get the power and then you go forth and minister in His name. And then you recharge again. And so every time we are filled with the Spirit, then we are able to minister and to exalt Christ and to reach out. So, do you have the Holy Spirit that is, are you saved? Does the Holy Spirit have you? Have you been in the Word, in prayer, recharging your batteries and being refilled with the Spirit? And then the person of the God. You shall be witnesses to Me. Notice witnesses. Not judges. <laughs> God did not send us into the world as judges. And a lot of Christians do. They learn all the rights and wrongs in the Bible and they're like, wow, now I can really tell people where they're wrong. How's that going? You know, they really want to hear that? Now, God did not call us to be judges. He did not call us to be lawyers, to argue. You ever try arguing with people about spiritual things? How's that going? No, this servant of the Lord must not strive. What he's called us to be is witnesses. <laughs> I remember one time I was a witness. I had seen an automobile crash, and I was a witness in a courtroom. And, 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 and the, the lawyer told me ahead of time, he said, now, now don't tell him your opinion about what happened. Tell him what you saw, what you heard, what you experienced. That's a witness, and that's what I did. Hope I was good. I hope I helped. I don't know. They were trying to get at the truth. Witnessing is about the truth. And there is no more powerful witness than your own personal testimony. You should be able to give it in an elevator. Or on a whole evening. You should be able to tell it short or tell it long. You should be able to give it. And it should always consist of at least three parts. What my life was like before I was saved. How I got saved. How my life has changed since I got saved. That's what the Apostle Paul, that's how he told his story. Your story is your witness to Christ. And the witness, your witness, your testimony is not about you. It's about what Jesus did in your life. It's about Him. So the power of the Gospel is the Holy Spirit. The person of the Gospel is Jesus. And that's what Jesus called the disciples to do. Look at Acts 4.19 with me, please. Because the book of Acts is just living out the prophecy Jesus gave in Acts 1.8. Acts 4 and verse 19. Acts 4 and verse 19. They were getting arrested. Hey, when was the last time you were arrested? For, I have a friend of mine who got arrested. He was uh, witnessing on the boardwalk in Atlantic City and got arrested because uh, the casino operators didn't like that happening out in front. But, uh, you know, most of us are not going to get arrested. But the disciples were arrested. And when they were put before uh, the courtroom, here's, they said, we can't help it. We can't help it. Verse 20, we cannot stop speaking. Do you know people like that? Yeah. We cannot stop speaking. Help, I can't shut up, you know, about what we have seen and heard. Why? Because they were filled with the Spirit of God. And when you're filled with the Spirit of God, you won't be able to shut up about Jesus. I was in a convenience store just this last week. I was traveling, and I stopped for an ice cream sandwich. And, uh, 
because you need one of those when you're traveling sometimes. I get, on the motorcycle especially, I get kind of dry. So I, was, I bought my ice cream sandwich, and the lady was doing something behind the counter, and some got her excited. She said, Jesus! And I said, he's my savior. I don't know if that's what she meant by using the name Jesus. But you know what? You can be a witness. There's all kinds of opportunities. You just never know. Why is it that unsaved people can use his name so loudly as a curse? And we, his followers, who owe our eternity to him, can't even speak up. He will give you that boldness. He will have you be a witness about you won't be able to shut up. When you are filled with the Spirit, He will work His way into your conversation. I have a friend of mine who's a plasterer. He does fancy historic plastering for houses, historic work with plaster, where he's a wonderful plasterer. And he was being shown around this huge, beautiful mansion. The man was showing him what he wanted done and what he had already had done. And uh, I think the man wanted him to be impressed with this beautiful house, and he was. And he said, wow, it's really nice, really. Too bad you're going to have to leave it. What do you mean? I'm not moving. Oh, you're going to die. You're going to have to leave this beautiful house behind. I hope you've got one up there. And he worked Jesus into the conversation. There's ways you can do that if you are willing to do that. The the apostles said, we are witnesses. Our job is to tell other people what we experienced with Jesus. How He changed our lives. What He said. What He did. Witnessing is talking about Jesus. It's not talking about ourselves. It is talking about what Jesus did for us. It is sharing our experience with Him. And that's the record of the book of Acts. How many professional missionaries were there in the early church? Not that many. But when persecution drove them out of Jerusalem, they went everywhere gossiping the gospel. And it was ordinary walking around everyday Christians who shared the gospel because Jesus had changed their lives. It's about Jesus. It's about the gospel. What is the gospel? According to 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4, it is, it is that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day. It is about Christ, who He is, the God-man, what He did, He died for our sins, and He rose again. And then, thirdly, we see the program of the Gospel. What was the geographical program of the Gospel? He said, I want you to start right where you are. Stay in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then I want you to be witnesses to me here in Jerusalem, and then in Judea, your area, then in Samaria, where those different kind of people from you live, and then ultimately to the end of the earth. I praise God for this church. Because you do not just support missionaries at the ends of the earth. You do not just reach out to other places, but you reach out here locally. Thursday night, there was outreach of relationship with the teachers of some of the students 
here at Wake Chapel Christian Church as they honored them with a special dinner. There was outreach through Upward, reaching out to the children and the parents of this community with the Gospel. Lots of churches have sports program, but yours is a Gospel sports program. Praise God for that. You are reaching out in personal witness. I'm hearing of what you are doing in personal witness as things are shared in the Sunday school classes and so forth. A church that is going to be missions-minded reaches out locally, then reaches out cross-culturally as they did with the Samaritans, people different than themselves, and then has an involvement in worldwide missions work. Praise God for a church like this. Because the fact is that missions is not merely a ministry of the church. Missions is the ministry of the church. And it involves local ministry. It involves area ministry. And then it involves involvement with ministries to the very ends of the earth. What is the task of the church? The Great Commission? Make disciples. Make disciples of all the nations beginning in your Jerusalem, reaching out to your Samaria, and then to the very ends of the earth. Let's bow in prayer. So how are you doing? As you think of your own personal involvement with God's plan, First of all, do you have the power of the Holy Spirit in your life? Do you have Holy Spirit power in your life? Do you have the Holy Spirit? Having received Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit is indwelling your body. And now you've yielded to Him. You've yielded to the Holy Spirit of God to use you? Do you have the power of the Holy Spirit? If not, receive Christ as your Savior and be saved. Admit you're a sinner and believe in Christ that He died for your sins and rose again. When you believe in Him, the Holy Spirit will come into your life. And when you yield to Him, the Holy Spirit will take charge and give you the power of the Holy Spirit. Are you witnessing concerning the person of the Gospel? Are you telling people about Jesus? Have you worked up your own personal testimony so that you can share the Gospel with others as the Holy Spirit gives you opportunities? And then are you part of what God is doing locally, cross-culturally, and worldwide? You have opportunities through this church to be involved in all those ways. That is what God is doing in the world today. And we have the exciting privilege to be part of it. Father, I pray that you would do the work that is needed in each life today. You know where we are in this process. And you know what we need to do next. I pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would work in us and lead us into that area of fruitful 
ministry for your glory. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we um, lift up those that are sick and healing, um, those that are dealing with loss of loved ones and family. We commend them to you. Um, We also stand here in the first week of Missions Month and know the responsibility and privilege we have to reach out to the ends of the world, as um, Dan and the Gospel reminded us today. Also thankful for your son and servant, Billy Graham, what he's meant to all of us and to the Gospel and the example he set for us. We lift up today Dallas Theological Seminary and their student aid. Um, They take the complete word and equip those to go out in this world and share the message of hope that God does accept us just as we are, just as I am, and shed lightness in dark corners. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.